A and S. Hey everyone, thanks for practicing with me today. We're gonna do a approachable but progressive sequence designed to get us toward full I imagine skills. Lauren Lewis on her yoga mat, her child and dog running in front of her camera as she teaches free online yoga classes to build community across the distances of COVID-19. In lieu of the hands-on adjustments we all crave, Lauren welcomes us individually, looking us each in the eyes through the Zoom screen. I can imagine this because it happened. It's a palpable and healing memory through which Lauren taught me so many lessons about showing up. Lauren lives with deep compassion and a tenderness that belies a firm inner strength and adventurous spirit. Lauren just shows up. Take notice. How is your body today? How's your heart? can't imagine a more diverse playlist than Lauren's trail running soundtrack. She's fueled by Ani DeFranco and Rage Against the Machine to get through her workout in the hills of motherhood. But still, this woman is able to get to her goal, take time to stop, center, and breathe in Boulder's dramatic vistas. As you will discover on today's episode, Lauren has an unending capacity to show up as a teacher and a student. She is a yoga guru, although she'd hate that I said that. A chef, a mama, a community builder, wakeboarder, runner, and dance like no one's watching mover. She's so much good, you want to be around the light of her smile. On the ampersand, we call this bringing together of the impossible, the alchemy of anding. Together, we'll hear stories of humans who imagine and create by colliding their interests. Rather than thinking of and as a simple conjunction in that conjunction-junction kind of way, we will hear stories of people who see and as a verb, a way to speak the beautiful when you intentionally let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. As St. Mary Oliver asks, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Oh, I love this question. When I'm mothering, creating, and collaborating, it reminds me to replace a singular idea of what I think I should become with a full sensory verb about experiencing. I'm Erica Randall. This is Lauren Lewis on The Ampersand. I think any act of inauthenticity in the past were the ways that I found myself in the deepest trouble. And so I've almost clung to just realness as a lifeline for making sure things stay healthy. I grew up in Pennsylvania. Before that, Annapolis, Maryland. My dad traveled a ton. My mom was the person. Yeah. She's amazing. She's still integral to my daily life. And my big brother was hard. <laughs> hard. He took up a lot of space. And I learned really young to take care 
of my mom through being easy. Mm, I know that story. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that easiness was and still is really a big part of how I operate. I don't need that much help. I'll figure it out. I feel steady internally. There was a lot of gifts to that. But one of the maybe it was still a gift, but the, the challenges was that I internalized a lot of my pain, which led me toward so many self-destructive patterns young. Young. <laughs> and including vicious bulimia. Mm, from a, as a young human. At 13. Wow. Even before we've gotten all the messages about how we're supposed yeah, to show Yeah, they up. were there. They the were messages there. were there before that, I think. But, but also a desire to take up less space. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would say that that experience for 15 plus years that required a deep dive into healing from within was the foundation of everything that I do. Yeah. I not knowing that story, I know the foundation and it's rock solid that it mm. is everything you do is based on healing. And supporting healing for others. Thank you. Which is so incredible when you've come from something that particularly, it's hard to let go. It's when there's, we hold it in our body, right? Mm -hmm. These old stories. And so how as an adult human person do you navigate this new kind of samskara, this new groove you're trying to shape for yourself? Do you still feel old Lauren or young Lauren? Mm. Just a few months ago, I signed up for a yin yoga teacher training in Carbondale, and the teacher had her whole training founded in IFS, or Internal Family Systems. And essentially, it asks us to look at the aspects or parts of ourselves, how we're kind of made up. The belief in IFS is that we all have many parts. There are no bad parts. No bad parts. Sometimes our parts express actions that we need to look at, and the actions of the parts aren't healthy. But the part that's creating the action only needs compassion. Mm. And what it really struck for me was the idea that through all my years of healing bulimia, Never did I look at the part of myself that was leading this binge and purge cycle and say, I'm here for you. I understand why you're doing that. And I love you. I I often say to people, like a lot of people that are in my life that give me reflections, hey, you're so hard on yourself. or And I always think, if you only knew where I came from, <laughs> I've come so far. And so, yes, I still have that in me, that self-berating, judgmental critic. But I think we all do. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> and I really, really feel that the continuous, like one foot in front of the other, not linear, but constant seeking of self-compassion as a foundation for helping other people find that is something that I am committed to. 
Yeah, you are. <laughs> and did it come first? Was it embodied? Was it yoga? Or was it a, a new relationship to food? And so chefing? Or was it, yeah, or what was it a whole other different ending that is you? I think... I, I, they were all so coinciding. I started, really like all of this, like all of this just came, <laughs> came mushroomed up. Yeah, kind of. I, it's interesting. I think yoga first. When I was seventeen, I walked into a yoga studio at Twenty Four Hour Fitness, and the <laughs> teacher—I didn't even know really what yoga was. The teacher, this older woman—I sometimes think I made her up. Hmm. Um, led a class. There were people of all different body types in the class. I didn't know what I was doing. I remember the outfit I was wearing, which is so weird. I never think of clothes, really. Yeah. I just remember everything about my body. And I remember doing fish pose or this heart opener and tears just starting to pour from my eyes. And it was the first time that I thought that our bodies hold emotion. I mean, I didn't even know that, you know? You experienced it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> what was that earthquake through yeah. my heart, yeah. sternum, and then chakras? Yeah. And then the eight limb path. Yeah. So you went right into it. That was the beginning of like a daily practice for me. I was still in college. and You were studying nutrition at CU? No, I was studying sociology. Sociology mm-hmm. at CU, okay. I did go to nutrition school after CU and culinary school. Yeah. So when I got into this yoga realm, I started to think about how we take care of our bodies actually impacts, you know, our vitality, our life force. And I knew that food was a huge part of my life from an Italian and Russian family. And after college, I was like, what am I going to do? And I thought the only thing that really interests me is cooking. Mm. <laughs> really? Yeah. So you loved cooking, even though you were dealing with eating disorders. Yeah. You still love the time in the kitchen. Yeah. How did, can you navigate that for me? Because as someone who also suffered with abuse with food, I was absolutely anti the kitchen. Yeah. I was just like muffins in the purse. I yeah. was not someone who thought there was any possible healing in the kitchen. How did you find that? Was mm-hmm. it a connection to your your lineage, your family? Mm-hmm. I think your experience is really common and understand totally understandable. And what happened, I think, in reflection was I understood that food really meant love from a young age because we'd gather, we'd have huge family gatherings, we'd eat, we'd cook my grandmother's. And so when I determined that I was maybe unlovable... Mm, you rejected that love. Yeah. And so the reclamation of my self-worth came through learning how to feed first others and then myself with healing food, you know. So cooking as a love practice. Yeah. Yeah. And as a meditation? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So maybe I'm just a terrible meditator, not a terrible (laughs) cook. (laughs) No. No. You just got to, you know, also as a form of creativity, which is like your wheelhouse to the max, it's... it's, um, One of my culinary mentors said, learning to cook from the heart or without recipes, but like really using your intuition as a form of creativity and creative expression is a form of healing. Mm. And so when we can get in there and smell the basil and look at what's growing locally or like the vibrance of a butternut and kind of approach it from art 
it takes away the pain of the language that we've learned around restriction and portion. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And a perfect dice, you know, who cares? Oh my God, a perfect dice. I have so much dice shame. (laughs) Really? I'm like, oh, nope. mm -mm, Nope. Yeah. You're not alone there. Okay. I'm not alone. Everyone that comes to the kitchen is like, I'm sorry, this is going to be terrible. I'm like, it's the journey. It's the journey. And, And the infusion of the you know, intention of the food. It's not the dice. (laughs) But it gave that love back to you and it changed your relationship with eating your body while also weaving asana yoga practice in. And then the other eight limbs, what's your favorite limb? Mm. That's a big question. I mean, I study the yamas and the niyamas, the first two limbs, a lot. But samadhi, the eighth its translation is absorption in the moment. Many people think of it as like nirvana or, you know, achievement of total bliss state. But I've come to learn that it's achievable in any moment. Even while dicing. Dicing. <laughs> Podcasting. Dancing, for sure. For sure. That one I get. It's pure presence. And that's that's the, the the last piece of the journey is how much can we engage in the present moment with our full integrity while maintaining fluidity to navigate the terrain. And I think all of the practices, cooking, dancing, yoga. Parenting. Parenting. <laughs> with an eye roll, they both say. <laughs> it's, that's the hardest one. Yeah. Yeah, how to hold that presence while parenting. Why is it so hard? You and I both have boys who are extra. 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 How do we how do we hold that sense that I thought I had more patience, more grace, more understanding until I became a mama? Mm. And then I was like, oh. You mean there's more and there's so much more. Do, what do you, do you, are you working with yoga? Are you working with samadhi? Are you working with meditation? Are you working with, what is your primary? Because I think of, I lean into improvisation a lot and I have to go into improvisation and don't think, Randall, just, <laughs> yeah, if you want to like become a wolf and start growling and f- make him go and stop in his tracks. Like, what is it that you access in momming? It's so funny that you say that because just yesterday I, I tried on just Robin and I do a lot of role playing yeah. like yeah. it just helps him when he's brooding or just thinking negative thoughts. ADHD really has a a tendency to pull the brain there. Yes. And um, oh, that's a beautiful way to say it. Actually, I ask Ezra what it feels like having ADHD as a diagnosis. He's like, well, my doctor tells me that um, I got uh, I got to tell the joke. He'll laugh that I said the joke badly. This, he does stand-up bits. That's how he pulls away from the darkness. He's like, my doctor tells me I have HD, 80 of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he talks about it pulling him to things. Yeah. So say that again, that ADHD, it really has a way of pulling to the darkness? Or? Yeah. Okay. I've been studying the brain and ADHD recently in this book called ADHD 2.0 okay. that's really blowing my mind. And one of the the two there's kind of two states of the brain that most neurotypical people have one is active flow state where you're engaged in a task and then one is more creative state where you can sit and think and create and 
and it goes dark because of the experiences that they've had. Their tendency is to think of the likelihood of messing up or challenge or inability to execute a task and it and it gets them into a more depressive state than mm. typical brains. And so any switch, any any a quick push up, a jumping jack, a dance party, yes, role playing. Yes, anything that just can yep, quick turn the track. Yeah, language doesn't turn the track. No. Like talking them out of it. Right. Nope. Nope, there's yeah. no negotiation to yeah. turn the track. Yeah. yeah. And so yesterday... Yeah, I was just like, he was like, I pretended like I was being, I don't know, I was pretending to be someone I'm not. And he was like, oh, you're like a mean mom. Can you act like a mean mom today? And I was totally... <laughs> yes, I role can. Playing that. What does a mean mom sound like? I can't I imagine... Like, now you go outside and you stay outside until you behave. And he was like... I like a yes like day this. with a mean yeah. mom voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love thinking of Lauren as mean mom. <laughs> Yeah, I remember when I started growling at Ezra and how it just then he started growling yeah. back and it just helped us shift a really hard moment that yes. was turning to improv. that dark side. Yeah, improv is everything. As a yogi, as a chef, do you improvise? And, and all oh, other, yeah, you yeah. do? Well, with cooking, 100%. You do. So not baking, but cooking. Oh, baking too. Yeah. Okay. Because I thought that was like chemistry and things could explode. <laughs> <laughs> it is chemistry and there's a lot of wiggle room. Okay. Uh, a huge part of both yoga and probably dance and cooking is freedom from foundation. So when you learn why I say stack your knee over your ankle or why I say oil the vegetable before you put it on the grill, then when you start to understand, I mean, the way that the ingredients, for example, function, there's freedom to generate an outcome that and and the energetics of it all are are a driving force for me what does this pose feel like what is its representation energetically and what does this dish feel like and I the culinary school that I went to is mind-blowingly amazing and just so outside of the box but a huge part of the foundation is from traditional Chinese medicine and macrobiotic principles of energetics. Like we eat this at this time of year. I choose this cooking method because I know that you need grounding right now. Or That's incredible to me when you really think about the time of food, mm-hmm. not just time of day. Yeah. And it has a, a, a deep somatic change in the body when yeah. you work that way. Yes. So I am a creature of habit and I want the same thing every morning. And then I, I've never thought of my food in cycles like that because I'm not someone who goes to a garden mm-hmm. or, and and then I feel guilty because I live in Boulder and I'm like, wow, I eat more frozen. At least it's vegetarian food than m- maybe humans should or would want to see the boxes yeah. in my office. <laughs> but I don't think of them as cyclical in the same way. How do you, how do you get people started in that conversation? Do we have to be farmers to do it? Do we have to stand under the waxing, waning moon and just be one <laughs> with the carrots and under the earth? That's, how do we have to do it? No, we don't have, we don't have to, to do go that. that far back. No, I, I, you know, it's so funny because before Robin, before my son, I had these like ideal, idyllic, I, you know, principles yeah. around food and now I'm and like, cloth diapers. Yeah, exactly. You probably did that though. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> Maybe for one day. One day. I did one day of the yeah. cloth diaper. This okay. is not going to work out. (laughs) But uh, more power to those that do. Yep. Now, I believe that do whatever you can do, (laughs) like wherever. And, And I think 
it doesn't, there's so many elements to energetic alignment that it doesn't have to be the ingredient. It could be the mindset. It could be the music you listen to when you cook. I, there's six, there's, I don't know if I'll remember them all right now, six kind of aspects to really paying attention when you cook and the senses. So like taste and smell, just paying attention and listening to the sizzle, like all the ways we can drop our attention in. The inter and interpersonal is what I was just thinking about. Like, who am I cooking for? Mm. If, if even just that, like I'm cooking for my child right now, can I think of their healing when I'm making a bowl of cereal? Like it doesn't even have to be this grand gesture. There's power to that. I started putting a little coffee heart swirl in my own cup. That's awesome. In the morning. (laughs) Because when Megan would make my coffee, she would do that. And then I thought, why don't you do it for yourself, Randall? Mm -hmm. And so I started doing that. Or when I put the peanut butter on the sandwich for Ezra, I do put little notes I write in the peanut butter. Oh my gosh, that's so precious. So that, okay, so that's 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 good cooking. Yes. So I'm an excellent chef. You are excellent. And a a perfect mother. Yeah, you are. (laughs) (laughs) We are both perfect mothers. How do you, how do you stop all this anding sometimes? I know that you go to the res. I know that, is it called, would I say the right word? Is it wakeboarding? Yeah. Do you do that? I do. You walk on water? I mean, Lauren Lewis, you do literally walk on water. How do you do, what is that? I see people doing it. I'm like, what? That is like some serious sainthood. (laughs) It's so fun. And wakeboarding is what I used to do when I was younger. And now I wake surf, which is for people that are older because you go half the speed. Okay. But that seems harder because it's like, like slow mo. (laughs) How do you do it? There's a flow to it. There's a flow, of course. There's yeah, a flow. And um, <laughs> board sports are part of my life. I moved to Colorado to snowboard, and I think that that foundation provided me the ability to learn how to do it with water. But but it's play for you. Yeah. 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 It's not Dance a... is really play for me, too. It is. Even though yeah. I am no great dancer, I would say that's my, like, most church-like experience. Like house party dancing or do you go to classes? I go to a couple different. You do? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And so you just sweat and you just move and you be. Mm -hmm. And are you with presence? Are you invisible? Are you, what does it feel like in your body that feels like it's freedom? I think when I'm dancing, it's the one place that I really, really like my body. Oh, wow. That's a different story from... Yeah. My story. I love hearing that. What's your story? Well, just when dancing was the place I stopped liking my body. Oh, wow. Because of mirrors and meanies. Mm. Now I feel more, but I that just like, because oh, yoga is the place I go where I like my body. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. I like how I feel when I'm dancing, but dancing has been the heart. I, I call her like the the evil twin, mm-hmm. that person in the mirror, mm-hmm. where when I feel her, when I'm dancing, one thing, but when I'm watching her or when I'm receiving critique from what I'm supposed to look like as a dancer, as a taller, curvy, all the things. Um, yeah. And just having heard the story of the perfect body for dance for so long, you don't have, you didn't grow up with that right. story. I didn't. So when did dance come to you? Like, when did it help as a liberation practice? I think five rhythms dance. Mm. Yeah, I think the first time I went to a Five Rhythms dance experience with Melissa Michaels, who's here in Boulder, her language 
the welcoming of sensation as a way to discharge emotion yes. was new to me. Even though yoga held that, not to the degree. Yeah. And that was a big experience. I still can't really dance without crying. And our bodies hold it all. Yeah. And we've got to set them free. Like, and so it all, it's all layers of the same process. It's so beautiful. You're an incredible human person. Oh my gosh, so are you. Uh, okay, this is, um, this is time we get to do something fun. <laughs> okay, and you don't have to win. Okay. This is just fun, all right? So we're going to do the quick and dirty. Oh my gosh. Okay, I know. What are you most worried about, being quick or being dirty? <laughs> you don't have to be dirty, but we do like to try to be quick and just see what comes yeah, up. Yeah, I'm just not quick. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. You can be um, quick on your, on your time okay, zone. Good. Okay, good. Okay, so I know that you love music. I know that that's been a big part also of your teaching. But what? give me some songs on your yoga slash cooking slash dance playlist that you would have to have this and this and this and this. Um, can I do more like the songs that I run to? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because also you run. Because uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> they're just way more uh, diverse. Okay. Well, okay we're going to put so... these on the ampersand playlist. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor Hall. Yep. And Ani DeFranco. Yes. And Rage Against the Machine. Yes. And Propagandi. <laughs> and Rancid. And your podcast. <laughs> I love this. I love Papa Gandhi next to Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Okay, I love it. Um, what are some kind of unreal and unexpected food combos that no one would think to put together that you love to mash? Oh, that's interesting. I'm trying to think of a good dish. I can see you in your kitchen. Oh. Okay, good. Oh, I- eyes just lit up. My favorite thing is um, pine nuts and chocolate. But like umeboshi pine nuts. Oh, specific, of course. Yeah. Salty, vinegary. Okay. With chocolate. Yeah. Wow. Sweet and salty. Okay, sweet and salty. Okay, perfect. If that would be like, th- those are the rules. Sweet and salty. Okay. Um, you're if you like, you're in your yoga clothes. You're running. You're momming. So it's like the yoga uniform. What do you do to dress it up? Yoga pants and... Yoga pants and Doc Martens and earrings and a shawl. Yes to the shawl. (laughs) Yes to the shawl. You host retreats for eating and moving. Favorite landing spot for a retreat that has and in it. So it might have to be two. (laughs) Costa Rica and Montana. Mm, Yeah. Those are on your usual cycle. That's amazing. Um, what was my... Oh, okay. This is one that I just want to know. When you get up in the morning, if there are two things you could do before parenting, what would they be? Coffee and a hike. Mm, by yourself. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Okay, and then one of our favorite things that happens, and you've listened to the podcast so you know, is that we ask our amazing guests to give advice as if they were sending off a beloved on a trip or a graduation or a moment. And it starts with and. So what would you offer as your and? And may you believe in your capacity to hold all that you're asked to hold and find joy along the way. 
That was chef, yogi, mama, and healer, Lauren Lewis, on The Ampersand. The Ampersand is a production of the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Colorado Boulder. It is written and produced by me, Erica Randall, and Tim Grassley. If there are people you'd like us to interview on The Ampersand, do please email us at asinfo at colorado.edu. Our theme music was composed and performed by Nelson Walker, and the episodes are recorded at Interplay Recording in Boulder, Colorado. I'm Erica Randall, and this is The Ampersand. Ampersand.